Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self worst Oh my god! It's me, I'm back. We're doing it again. Hello. Hi everybody. Sorry, I've been away. Uh, for a couple of weeks. Took a little bit longer of a break than I expected. You know this happens. Doing this on my own time. Ain't making no money off of this. I gotta do other shit. You know, like I, if you were following the show uh, last episode, I was out of town. Uh, my sister was getting married. And uh, that was all great. That all worked out and uh, it, was, it was very fun. It was a nice time. And then uh, as soon as we came back, we had uh, other people in town, and you know, we went. Uh, old friend of mine, he's turning forty. Saw Roxy music. Uh, got a, a, a new COVID booster. A uh, lot's been going on. So you know, we're. It, it's a busy time, and what I'm saying is, uh, you know, uh, lots going on. Busy. Big changes, uh, got a new phone, uh, looking at a new career, uh, all of that kind of stuff happening, lots of balls in the air, and uh, it might, I don't know, episodes might be a little less frequent going forward. I might not be able to stick to a weekly clip uh, forever. I don't know. Maybe I will. But... Um, you know, just count on there being some gaps uh, until uh, things kind of smooth out a little bit more. We're in we're in a big time of change. We're in a transitional season. It's the beginning of fall, kind of. I don't think it's officially fall yet. Technically, I think it's like the day before my birth. I I'm born on the cusp of fall, and I'm not born yet. It's not my birthday yet, but it's coming getting into that period of Indian summer do you want to call it Indian summer anymore I don't know sounds sus probably not anyway things are changing life's changing everything's percolating right now so all this to say uh you know I love doing this show but there, there might be some pauses might be a little touch and go there for a minute it's okay. But this week, we got a guest. We got an episode out. A day late. Well, it's Friday now, but we usually and we usually do this on Thursdays. But who gives a shit? We're talking to Andrea Allen. She's a comedian and podcaster here in New York City. Uh, she's a really cool lady. Uh, she has a couple of podcasts. Um, one's kind of mental health-centered called Hot Mess. Um, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. You come on the show and you tell them about why you're a hot mess. Sound familiar? Sound much like the format of this show? It's, it's pretty similar. It's in the same wheelhouse. And uh, she has another show, a newer show, called Dog Pig. That's about sexual sex stuff, deviant, uh, kinky, whatever, uh, you know, sexual proclivities. And uh, I... Uh, I posit to you that that is also in the mental health field. And they're both very good and very insightful and very, uh, you know, just 
humanistic. So check those out. Check out her work. And, uh, I don't know. That's all I got. Let's go to the episode, shall we? You know, uh, I'll do my housekeeping like I do. Follow me at Bradical Pearson on both Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. You can uh, email me, selfworst at gmail.com. That'd be cool. You could do that if you want. Write a letter. Do whatever. Uh, Patreon.com slash selfworst. Listen. Your boy is broke. Your boy is not doing well financially. Your boy is getting calls from collections agencies and shit. Uh, just had to buy a new phone because the old one finally just fell in half. I, I ride my phones until they, they disintegrate back into glass and lithium. And I sell that at a premium. That's how I make $500 a year. But that barely covers the cost of a new phone. It's a, it's not a good business model. So anyway, um, you know, if you feel like helping me out and, uh, you know, helping me uh, feel like I can actually claim podcaster on my taxes or anything like that, help me out. And, uh, you know, you get bonus content. You get, uh, there's videos, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's parts I cut from the episodes that go back in there. There's bonus episodes where it's just an exclusive episode to the Patreon feed. So check it out. Patreon.com slash selfworst. And that's all. So, um, hope y'all are having a good week. Hope you're having a good September. September is always a pretty chill month. I like September. Like I said, I got a lot going on, but I'm still feeling chill. Feeling pretty... Oh, here's news. I forgot to tell you this. This is mental health related. Your boy's back on Adderall. Talked with my psychiatrist. And we both decided, you know what? You're going to have to do some more concentrating in the near future. So why don't you get back on it? Here's what happens. I was on it for a long time. And, uh, for a while I was having, you know, just really racing intrusive thoughts about the end of the world. And I thought, gee, maybe it's my Adderall making me all crazy. And so I stopped taking it. And then I continued to have racing intrusive thoughts about the end of the world. So I guess it wasn't that. So I guess I can start taking it again because it was kind of helping. It was helping me, you know, just kind of control my brain a little more focus a little bit more lucidity. I can actually like look at a computer screen without instantly just getting up and pacing around. So that's good. Gonna need that. Um, anyway. Now, let's go to the interview. I am done talking for now. It's a whole thing. Tech talk. Just producing your own podcast. I know, right? You got two of them now. Mm-hmm. And I do, I mean, we have an intern, a hot mess, who does our production, like post-production. Uh, so like puts the show together, puts the ads in, does the intro, outro, whatever. Um, and we've had producers, which has been really nice. And we've mm-hmm. been on network, on network. Um, but we 
do everything ourselves for the most part we always have so it's uh the videos are us like yeah you've been going for a long time with hot mess right how many episodes at least 300 plus it's been over seven years it wow. might have been eight years actually at this point which is on funny. like a weekly basis yes much. yeah that's insane <laughs> i know i haven't dropped an episode for like two weeks i've been busy i've been out of town it's uh sister got married it was all fucking it's you know. it's a job yeah like it's uh it's i mean we also were both like podcasting fans and stuff like that mm-hmm. so we've always been like very militant and serious about it but um yeah, there are weeks I really don't want to fucking talk to anyone, but got to pay the rent. It's a lot easier when you have a partner who you're mm. like good friends with mm-hmm. who can kind of hold you to it. Yeah, huge. A good I, partner is great. I just decided like since I'm a straight white guy, I want to give myself more challenges and just be like, there you go. <laughs> just just make it as difficult on myself as possible. There you go. Like, Brad, you have social anxiety. You're very introverted. So why don't you start a podcast where you have to talk to a stranger yeah. every week yeah. about their deepest insecurities <laughs> and failures and darkest things that ever happened to them well, and, I- and make it kind of funny and engaging too. Just go, go, do it. So. Hey, I'm a pretty friendly stranger, so. You are yeah. so far so good. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but y- a lot of what you talk about on your show is mental health stuff, too. Sure. We're kind of on both of your shows. Yeah. Um, I love it. I can't Hot, hot mess and uh, dog pig. <laughs> uh, both, you know, one's, one's more kind of mental health, I, I would say, related, yeah. and one's more sexuality related. But yeah. honestly, to me, that's a facet of yeah, it is. mental health. I mean, that was kind of like dog pig was... I like the, to go like to taboo things, but I also like to go a lot into like the humanity behind a lot of sexuality stuff mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the sex and dating shows, it depends. Like I'm not um, poo-pooing ones that are more like advice-based or more like explicit, like just to talk about like gang bangs or what. Like I want to talk about that stuff too, but I'm also like, what's behind the wall? You know, I yeah. find that stuff really interesting. So, right. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, I, there's always a missing question of like, what is the, you know, what is the why behind yeah, all of this I'm stuff? I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been that way, so. It's just, just like coming up. This is just how you always sort of work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think people are endlessly odd mm-hmm. um, and bizarre. And I really like when someone surprises me. That's like one of my few joys in life when I think someone's one way and they're like completely the other or yeah. they have like a really wild story. Like that to me is just like gets my fucking rocks off. So I just there's like an endless way to explore humanity and and there's a lot of really ugly stuff. I think that's part of it, too, is that I grew up around some kind of ugly people like internally mm-hmm. um, and my effort to understand them was you know a life's work an effort to understand them in relation to me and why their behaviors affect me and why they behave the way they do so like it's also a way to like keep yourself safe is to try to like understand the environment around you all the time and why people do the things they do so yeah that's good um so um yeah you you were saying you you grew up around a lot of kind of ugliness around mm-hmm. around people. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I talk at nauseum about my father, uh, which one day I hope to not think about it as much. It's gotten a lot better as I've come to understand mm-hmm. it. But my father is a narcissist. Um, 
I would say has narcissistic personality disorder. Right, capital N narcissist. Yeah, like, like I feel that like kind of. that word is thrown around a lot right yes. now. Um, which it's also like when we discover a new thing in the zeitgeist, I think people are excited about it. So I'm not like mad that people, I think our society also like uh, rewards narcissistic behavior. So I think it's yeah, very the president. pervasive. Like the last president. Right, exactly. <laughs> the last president was like textbook. It was crazy. Narcissist and borderline right. personality disorder, like to a T. It was just, just jumbling like a, my brain. In, incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually like when people see that, they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is like unsustainable to handle, even just based on like <clears throat> seeing that in the media. Like imagine growing up with that being like your caregiver, you know, yeah. where someone is just like not accountable for their actions, very, very erratic um, and like, uses other people as a source to make themselves feel better by putting right. them down. You know, they, constantly a victim. Everybody yeah. is just an extension of them. Yes. Nobody yeah. is their re- really their own person. It's really like sad. Like I, I've turned a corner with it. Um, I was very angry and resentful towards mm-hmm. it, which of course I was, you know, like not being able to be loved like unconditionally by a parental figure will fuck your shit up in a pretty major way. Did it take a long time to be able to even like put it in those words? Yes. Like to be able to be like, my dad did not love me unconditionally or like uh, is yeah. he capable of actually loving me? I thought it was normal. Yeah. I mean, it's also like dads are just like famously absent or society's very like sure. dads. Who knows? And we're all like, okay, I guess we'll accept that. Like, yeah. Again, this is a thing that like, I don't know the exact stats on this, but I feel like more women get labeled with BPD and narcissism mm-hmm. than men because that's just yeah. behavior that's expected that's out of men. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Um, Dead Pete Dad is a cultural yeah. name. It's even like a win if your dad's around. Right. So like that's the bar for fatherhood and nurturing is to be physically present. Just to be just to be there. Yeah, to provide even on a financial basis is like, wow. So that's pretty pathetic um, as a bar. But so it, it was, my dad was around and did provide um, and to like, to the outside world, very successful mm-hmm. uh, person. Um, so that Sigma male. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was he was uh, mm, not necessarily like um, super chest puffy because mm-hmm. he was uh, sick a lot. He had a lot of health issues, but successful financially, like a business titan. You know, mm-hmm. um, definitely not a person to be fucked with. If you know, if you're catching that sort of right. drift. Um, so I just like thought he was this great man that I had to impress. And like, if I one day was good enough, then he was going to be manageable to be around or loving, or I would finally like hit this point with him where it was going to be good. Right. And I, the day that I realized that it didn't have anything to do with me, was like an incredibly relieving day because I was like, Oh my God. I don't have to keep fucking doing it with this person. I don't like talking to this person. They upset me constantly. They treat everyone like garbage. I'm trying every single way to like make this work with you. And it's not me. It's you, which is like, huh. How old were you when you came to that? And um, what got you there? 
26, 27 maybe. That's actually fairly early. Yeah. And Especially w- like for, sorry to interrupt, but like no, no. For, for people, in my experience, for people who were raised by narcissists, it yeah. takes a long of fucking course. time to get out from under, like get out of that spell Feels because impossible. they fucking, they get in there. Yeah. And you're like their little minion. Yeah. And like to feel like when, it, especially when it's like a, uh, it's like a family system, yes, they call yeah, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually pretty textbook. Once you start reading about narcissistic personality disorder, if you were raised or have one in your mm-hmm. life, you're like, oh my God. It's actually very like relieving and affirming to be like, this is pretty easy to like, you solidify into several points and the behaviors pretty much don't really change. Yeah. Um, you know, I was within my family system. So usually if there's a narcissist in a family if there's multiple children, mm-hmm. there's the golden child and the scapegoat. Yep. Um, so I was the golden child, um, which is, you know, the like, you're my perfect little reflection of me. Your achievements like make you worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Hustle for your value, you know, represent me as, you know, get the good grades, be the whatever. Um, so I don't know which one is a worse position to be in because I was still like berated on a constant basis and filled with fear about like, you know, doing the right thing. But I was like treated better in terms of like, I wasn't called a piece of shit all the time. Right. Um, My brother, on the other hand, was like, he was the fuck up. Yeah, he was the fuck up. He was the like, why can't you, you know, ever do anything right? I mean, they're just like the mind games that he would play with my brother specifically. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, my brother and my brother has ADHD. Yeah. You know, he's he's a gifted person. Um, you know, like he was in men's style. He's very smart, but he struggles in a lot of ways too. So he has trouble with a lot of like day to day stuff, jobs. You know, interacting with other people, socializing, and so my dad like hooked him up with a job interview and like drove him there, and then was like what's the name of the person that you're interviewing with today? And my brother forgot. I was like, oh my God, I forgot. Like, okay, what was this? Can you tell me? And my dad was so mad that he forgot that he just sat there in silence with him. And was like, well, if you don't know, you're not going in. And then just like sat there for like an hour. I think he might have even left him. He's Jeez. he's like done stuff like, yeah. like that where he's like left people places because um, he's like can't even conceive to their incompetence. <laughs> like it's it's so... So he was getting that type of stuff and I was getting like, if you don't get, if you're not perfect, like I'm going to scream at you till you have a panic attack, like that type of stuff. But anyways, so to, to get back to your question of realizing that, um, it was, my parents' divorce was the beginning of it. So I got mm. sober at 25 and that okay. was like big because I was starting to not be able to blame all my issues on alcohol and start to like deal with my low self-esteem and what was like causing me to drink. And it was a long process. It wasn't like I quit drinking and I was better, but I was starting to like poke my head out of the sand a little bit yeah. and be like, why am I so sad all the time? Um, it's usually not just like a clean break. You no. Know, you're just like instantly better. That's, yeah. No, never. I would yeah. say. I mean, maybe. Are you sober sober or are you Cali sober or whatever? I'm Cali sober, but I don't even smoke weed all that often. Right. I get, I have bipolar disorder too. So like I can't, I have to be very careful with drugs. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I don't do psychedelics. I, I also feel because I was getting fucked up all the time, getting too 
intoxicated or whatever it may be actually makes me feel uncomfortable i'm like oh my god i'm like am i out of control like makes me very anxious so i smoke weed here and there i have fun with it but i'm i'm pretty intentional about like once every few weeks maybe at the most but um my parents so i got sober and then my parents had a like wild divorce Mm -hmm. um like succession level craziness like that's another thing is like i grew up in affluence and so affluence is a great way to like cover stuff up like if people love the show succession because they're like it's so crazy and i'm like it's kind of what i grew up in like yeah you can just grossly mistreat people and you have so much power that you can like very easily toss them aside or like have it you know sort of be campaigned over um so my dad was having multiple affairs for a long time um, and I don't know the details of all of them, but like we're talking like double life kind of stuff, you know, yeah. he traveled a lot for business. So like, I don't, so he was like old school about it. He was like Don Draper. Yes. Him. Very Don Draper. Did he have Draper. like another family in another city or something? Not that, but I can imagine, I don't know the truth of any, it's also like I'm getting the truth from my mom, which right. has to be, you know, biased in some way. But just from the things that I've heard, I'm like, Oh, you, yeah, you did have multiple lives. And I think you had, you had some joy in like sort of controlling all these little narratives and having these little like, you know, worlds that you have created. Mm-hmm. It, it's bizarre. I don't know how you hold up all those lies. I can't, I can barely lie. Well, you're not as perfect as him. Right, so, exactly. You know, it's, it's just, you won't be able to. It's, uh, yeah. And you know what? That's He fine. tried his best to shape you into a perfect person in his image, but you know, you're going to fall short. And oh just... no. I'm so sad <laughs> that I'm not a terribly lonely person uh, with no true friends um, or people that you can love in the traditional sense of the word. It's sad. It's very sad. But um, so he, and my parents were married for a very long time. Like I said, he was, like um, he almost died many many times my mom took care of him she had cancer like they went through a lot as a couple so i can understand a divorce their wedding their wedding their marriage also i don't think was great for a long time and i was never like no stay together i was like yeah you were like oh right you don't like you don't like each other (laughs) i don't blame it someone for not liking were there big fights or was it more like a an icy uh undertone a lot of it was like covered i also was away like i went to boarding school Mm -hmm. i moved to new york when i was like very young like both me and my brother were like i gotta get the fuck out of here um but it was more like he would be awful Mm -hmm. and then we would all be like why are you so awful and he would be like i don't care and then we'd all have to kind of like you know stomach that and find some resolution i would fight with him a lot i would like scream fight with him um, and I don't know about them together. Um, but I think that probably it was a cyclical thing where he would like apologize and, you know, be really sweet and make these grand gestures. And then she would, you know, come back in and then the cycle mm-hmm. continues. Um, but there was, he wanted, he had a partner who he's now married to that partner, LOL, side piece, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. Um, and he was going to leave my mom for this woman. Woman, And so he was like, I want to get a divorce. And she kind of 
from her side of the story was not expecting it. I don't think she thought that their marriage was good. I don't even really know her state of mind. She was so like his, you know, indentured servant for so long that I think she was probably kind of like brainwashed and glassy eyed at that point. But she did not expect that to happen. And then um, one of her friends, one of her smart friends was like, yeah, men, your husband's aides don't just like leave marriages typically because they're like unhappy and want to like work on them, especially boomers. Like she was like, there's probably another woman. Like you should maybe look into that. Um, And so she did. I think she hired like a private eye or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how she found out. At one point she was telling a story about like breaking into their own house, like while he was in there with, the other woman like like hiding fight like i don't know but it was very he brought her over to to their house well so they had oh yeah the this woman was coming over to our family home all the time and like you know the like doorman would see him with this lady and just be like hello you know what i mean like everyone knew what was going yeah. on except for my mom which is humiliating yeah like the way i think that seeing him just humiliate her after she had been his partner like that for so long i was just like who the fuck are like i always knew i didn't really like him i always knew we had a hard relationship i always knew that he didn't make me feel good but he was my dad and i had to you know yeah it's your family you have to work it out and whatever but then seeing him like completely implode everything i was like you're not a good guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) um And there was like an incident. So that was the beginning of like, because he was very like, there was a lot of stress placed on like morality, hilariously, and like being good person and being like a, you know, perceived as like a proper person. That was like very important in our household. So then to have this whole like, and, and he was contradicting that all the time with his behavior, but like that wasn't discussed and he wasn't called out for that, whatever. But when he did it in such a public way, like, trying to bankrupt my mom like yelling at her across the table with the divorce lawyer to the level that they had to like take breaks you know all this like really awful stuff i was like but you're not like a morally prop right like what you're a misogynist like all these things started to come into place and then um he his wife was like gossiping with my brother's uh, partner about me, something that I had said, um, which was like wildly inappropriate. It's something I'd like confided on in my parents with. Um, and so then there was this whole gossipy, like big fight in our family about this thing. And I was really upset because I had said these things in com- like in confidence to my family. And I had, I was on the phone with my dad and I'm like, she said something to her like there's no way she didn't say something to her like everyone's upset like your wife is is, like telling these personal things like i don't know what to tell you and he's like there's no way she would do that and he said something to along the lines of like they were just talking like a bunch of dumb bitches something like that Mm -hmm. some sort of like these clucking hens type thing right and i was just like what the fuck like you're just saying that yeah like it's like grabbing by the pussy stuff or it's just like all these fucking stupid broads running their mouth like and i was like you're talking about like 
your wife like that. Like first it was like, oh, you ta- you did all this stuff to my mom. Then now you're talking about like this other woman that you supposedly love. And I was just like, this guy, I can't handle this being you. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't unsee this being you. I can't unknow that you're, you feel this way. And I'm also like, I can't handle the chaos that you bring to my life all the time. Um, and so, and my therapist right around that time, I started doing cognitive behavioral therapy and That's she, a good one. Oh, it's great. Um, and so she started being like, I have never met your dad, but I, she was my mom's therapist. So she knows a lot more than I do about the whole thing. Um, Wait, your therapist was your mom's therapist yes. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that allowed? I, I think I so. Guess, I, I guess, guess so. Yeah, yeah. She's the family therapist. Ah. <laughs> she, she, she's the... She, so, shout out to Summer, uh, the woman trying to put the Allen family together um, back in one piece. I, I mean, it, m- she's a wonderful therapist. She was also a neurologist. She's like very, very qualified. And I like that she knew what happened between my mom and my dad mm-hmm. because she like she was like, I can never diagnose someone that I haven't met. But based off of the information that I have, your father has a personality <laughs> right. disorder. Like. She's like, I can't actually say yes, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. And I'll it, say yeah, not yes. Exactly. We'll do a casual yes. Sure. Um, and so then she was like, read this, watch this, like tell me if it resonates with you. And it was just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is my dad. Some some YouTube video is like explaining my dad's entire personality and why he is the way that he is to me and why our relationship is this way and why I'm so depleted all the time when I'm trying to deal with him. It is incredible how textbook that particular personality disorder is i I think it is has something to do with the fact that that is the one personality disorder that is never gonna seek treatment or find any fault in themselves or take any kind of accountability anything responsibility like you know what he has gone therapy wow yeah which is impressive um i think because of the break in our relationship i Mm -hmm. think he started to do that um, but he said to me that he no longer deemed it helpful after a while. Um, but he did say something. He was like, when some, when I'm hurt or upset, I need someone as a dog to kick. And I was like, okay, well, like right. he's not, I don't know if he's saying that that's right or wrong, but he does seem to know that he like, he's got some awareness of he it. Lashes. Not gonna... He taking accountability is not something that I've ever, he, Sometimes it's hard to say there's no he has to account for reality in some way, but it's going to be through this like warped lens of somehow he's not fully the bad guy. So but yes, it's not something I I don't have expectations of I know his limitations and I don't have expectations that he's going to be this reflective, empathetic. Like I used to believe one day he'd be like, that's crazy that I did that. And and I think that hurts you more when you have the expectation that this person can interact with you in a way that you feel is normal. Yeah. And once that expectation goes away, you get much better at setting boundaries. You get much better at like just understanding the waters that you're swimming in and not trying to gain some sort of like compassion or empathy or love from a source that can't give it to you. 
Um, did, did you consider going non no contact? Oh, I did go no contact. You did. I had this like euphoric. This is you know I'm not a believer. I'm not like super spiritual or a believer of God in the traditional sense of the word or anything. But I the night that I I called my mom after like the dumb bitches mm-hmm. thing and was just crying. The amount of crying phone calls my mom has taken, you know, on account of my you know interactions with my dad is count it's countless um and she just finally was like you know you don't owe anyone a relationship with you like not even your family members and it was so freeing because society tells you that you owe your family members society tells you loyalty blood is thicker than water all this thing but that's so deeply unfair when people come from families that are abusive yeah it's like it's everything that we're told is family is the ultimate yeah thing it's it's a family above all else family is everything but that is not very fair to people who have shitty yeah, there's fucking people families. Whose parents like sexually abuse them yeah. or put out cigarettes on them or mentally abuse them for their whole lives and c- turn their fucking brains into mush like yeah so but i had never had like explicit permission in that way of like you can walk away from this if you want to. And so I like went to the park. It was like the middle of the night. And I like went to the park and I was just in this fucking daze. And I was messaging some friends being like, I think I'm going to cut my dad off. And so many of them that I'd like grown up with were like, yeah, I'm surprised you held on for this long. Like there was no one who was like, don't do that. It was completely the opposite. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm free from this. Like mm-hmm. maybe not forever, but for now I'm free from this. And like, I swear to you, colors looked brighter. Like, right. like images, like, like my eye, eyesight felt sharper. I felt like euphoric. It was unbelievable. I've never felt anything like that. I, you know, since then, I, ju- I don't know what it was maybe some like chemical dump happened in my brain of something but it was like a really powerful moment in my life and it also was the first time that i was choosing my own mental health and like personal safety really um instead of his what he wanted which i had never done before that like he was running the show from the back he was like the wizard of oz he was the wizard behind the mask and so it was like a very defiant moment of being like no we can't i can't continue if you're lurking in the background you know influencing and pushing and hurting and just making everyone responsible for your constant chaos and like hurt i can't do it anymore i won't do it anymore so that was like the beginning of and i went no contact for several years um, and then since then, our relationship has been mostly emails, phone calls every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He wants to like spend time and, you know, go on trips together or whatever, which is very like generous and nice on paper. But I'm like, I can't be out at sea with you on a boat. Tri- like I need, I can't, Yeah, I can't do it. I won't. Yeah. Cause it. only one of us will come back. Right. Exactly. Right. And it's going to be me this time. Cause I'm going to push you over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, I, I joke about it, but it is sad. It's a sad, it's a sad thing. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. I mean, yeah. it's fucking, it's rough. Yeah. I mean, not to 
air her dirty laundry, but my girlfriend's mom is also a, a narcissist. Oh, it sucks and when it's the mom. Yeah, it's a whole different thing yeah. because there's like there's these different types. There's like um, the the waif and the uh, the the princess or something like oh, there's all yeah. these like different person like yeah, all these yeah. ways it Categories. manifests yeah, itself yeah, yeah. in like this like oh i'm this like helpless little girl oh, and, oh yeah. i can't do anything and and then there's like this like very like strong like fiery yeah version to like there's a bunch of different types They're but like, like it's incredible how, yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible how like text again it's incredible how textbook yeah. it is and and how um, when you're reading about it, it's it just like they just fill all of the boxes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're just like, man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And like as a partner to somebody, I'm like, yeah, this isn't my journey, but this mm-hmm. is something that I'm kind of uh, conscript conscripting myself into yeah. by being in a relationship with this person. And um, you're caught in the shrapnel of it. Yeah, it's amazing how far-reaching it goes. It was a big, like, it was a big internal thing for me where I was like, honestly, like, I love her, but like, I don't know if I want to, like, yeah, you know, it's just like I, I had to really consider, like, do do I love her enough to continue a relationship with her, knowing that this person is going to become my mother-in-law? Yeah, you I know? mean, like, I I have to tell people about my family in the beginning of us dating and it's a really weird conversation to have like to be like okay so um back when my dad was sick he couldn't like really walk or talk or whatever and he was in a wheelchair but we had to have these like really formal dinners and he couldn't really eat so then like he kept a bucket next to the next to him when we were eating and then he would throw up in that bucket and then I would go pick up the bucket and I would clean it like saying that to another person is like they're like what the fuck? Yeah. Know, it's, she it's, does this all that. She'll like casually tell a story. They're like her, horrific. And, yeah. And everybody's jaw drops. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, and, and it's hard because like, I, again, uh, just, just my degree being aware of my degree of privilege, like coming from a very, a fairly functional family, mm-hmm. like at least my immediate nuclear family is mm-hmm. like they're all so nice and it's wholesome great. and I'm cute. I'm happy for that. And like it's great, but like it also, I mean, have you had issues with seeing other people's family systems like going home with somebody on Christmas, for example, and and like seeing them all just like, oh, we're all just like gathered around the Christmas tree, we're we're eating cookies and everybody's getting along and you're like, fuck. I don't feel good. I don't feel like I belong here. Oh, no, I love it. Wow. I, like, crave for it. Right. Um, I'm lucky in the sense, too, that I've always, like, had great friend groups. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of, like, built chosen family for myself. Um, I thought it was fake. Of Like, that's a feeling of, like, come on. You guys aren't just, like, cuddling like this. Like, right. this warm affection. There's, there has to be some darkness under yeah, there. Yeah, like, right. who's diddling someone here? Right. Um yeah so but i love like i have close friends who have really warm families and i love spending time with them like uh, that's what i wanted for so if when i see it i'm like this is amazing um but like to your point about your girlfriend like saying these you know crazy things and like you just don't i think it's important to know that like 
there's you know varying degrees of dysfunctional dysfunction and it manifests itself what's mm-hmm. that saying like every unhappy family isn't happy in its own way or whatever right. which is very true but like that's your that's the that's the stew that you were made in mm-hmm. so there's no way to know it's unusual i think sometimes when you say something weird at school or like a family friend who's close to you is like, oh, you're, this is mean or what, you know what I mean? You kind of start to go like, maybe my family's a little different or whatever. But for the most part, like you're a kid, you don't know, you like rely on your parents to take care of you. You are like, this is what my parents do. They're my heroes, you know? So like, you don't know it's weird until you are old enough and like your brain is fully formed and you know and therapy is very helpful um right but yeah i am welcoming someone into my like little clown car but the thing is my mom and my brother are great people they've been deeply impacted by this but i'm also very lucky that i have like people who yeah acknowledge the you're thing you're very lucky in that there's other people oh yeah in the family unit who are like well he's fucking yeah we're yeah. all like yeah i mean my brother less so he's still he's just starting his journey i think of kind of dealing with it and i'm very happy for that but me and my mom specifically i have always had and it's been a little codependent at certain times mm-hmm. for sure but for the most part, we've been like in the trenches with uh, one another being like, what the fuck is that? You know, so there's no lying between us about like what happens or whatever. And so I'm very lucky to have like a wonderful mom. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't have that, too. So, yeah, my mom, you know, plans fucking cool trips. And, you know, my boyfriend comes a lot like he's like you have a lovely. There's a lot of parts of your family, you know, that are lovely. So I'm, yeah. I'm lucky for that. I wasn't a complete full no one acknowledges anything like nightmare chamber right um, so that that's good she's an only child and her dad's dead oh so, so there you go so that's awful yeah, yeah she's like that's she's, her only she's source her, she's got her work cut out for her. it really it's is really it's difficult really fucking rough. and also the mom society's so again because their dads are just expected to not really do anything um this everyone this like mythology around like moms are the best and mom's yeah. food and mom is always there and this warm cuddly when a mom is not that i think it really scrambles someone's brain um so it's really difficult i i don't envy that well and also like having somebody who um who you can cut off who's you know like with your father for instance cutting him off like he's He's a wealthy man. He's very mm-hmm. confident. He's like can go out and like do whatever he has. Mm-hmm. He can start a family in Cincinnati or whatever sure. if he wants to. Um, you know, but with I think in her case it's like she can't she doesn't um she feels guilty. Like like oh, there's a yeah. lot of guilt about like oh don't you know don't abandon me too. I'm this sad I'm little pathetic. widow. I'm so Dude, goddamn. I hate manipulation through pity. Yeah. That was the second chapter of my fucking journey. The first chapter was like the very obvious like people who manipulate you through anger or yeah. like that's really obvious. Like this person is yelling at me. This person is telling me I'm not good enough. This yeah. person is that's pretty aggressive but people who are i also happen to like have you know i know i have an affinity for damaged people i also am a person who is damaged i feel comfortable around them i feel like they understand Uh me because they do on a certain level but i i 
I am also guilty of doing like caretaker type behavior because I think on a level I was caring for my mom as at a very young age, mm-hmm. you know, being like my dad's mean to her and I want her to feel okay because she's my mom. You know, at one point we were like going for a walk. I, you know how old I was. And she asked me if she should divorce him. And I like freaked out because I was like, I'm a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's weird in its own. Crazy weird. Like, that's that's a weird boundary cross. Huge boundary cross. To, yeah. To talk about that kind of stuff with their kid. And like, I forgive her for that. She uh, was trapped, you yeah. know? And so I know why she did that. And I, she, did, she had no idea what any of this was. Like, no one was going to therapy really back then. No one knew. Like, so... But because of that sort of like codependent sort of caretakery role that I, I just naturally caretake people all the time. I have to try really hard not to. And it's one of my hardest battles to fight. It's like mm. I see like a kicked puppy and I'm like, oh, yeah, let me help you. Let you depend on me so you'll need me and love me. Like it's, it's, it's insidious in a way that I didn't quite realize. But I used to do that with female relationships a lot was like nurture, try to nurture other women who were toxic or whatever. And they were reciprocal relationships for a time. And then inevitably, um, and this happens a lot with people with borderline. I've had a lot of friendships with people with borderline, which Mm -hmm. is a very tough thing to maintain. They are like, woe is me. And they're constantly drowning. And there's always something in crisis and reason why they're the victim. And, you're like walking on eggshells around them because you don't want to say something to upset them. And like, you're just, you're strung into this narrative that their life is so hard. And you're like, I can't be mad at this person. Their life is so hard. I can't resent them for fucking my shit up all the time and not, I can't, you know, even though they're not coming through for me as a friend at the whole right. time, it's because they're so sad and it's so difficult. And then pity is such a good manipulation for people who are caretakers. Yeah, because if you if you turn against that, if you if you you know, throw up your hands at that, yeah. then you're a bad person. Yes, then you're a monster. If you're fighting back against somebody who's angry or being yeah. a dick, then you're defending yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're walking away from somebody who's a sobbing mess yeah. and is just like, "I'm so like mm-hmm. then then, you know, you're you're cruel right that's the narrative yeah you're a person who doesn't care about other people's well-beings which i also was like because i was raised by a narc i saw that and was like that's awful and i don't ever want to be that so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be this like angel of empathy and it was to my own detriment for a long time and i still am very wary of the relationships that i do this in and um I try to like cut myself off before it gets too bad, you yeah. know, with certain people like that. But I do fall into that a lot. You talked about um, being in ACA, which I actually had to look up. I didn't know. What oh, that yeah. Was. So, so many people don't know about it. I, I'd heard of Al-Anon. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I hadn't heard. It's a similar thing. Can you explain it? Sure. It's the twisted sister of Al-Anon. Um, it's D. Snyder. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> they, I wish people knew about ACA. And it's adult children of alcoholics. Yes. Is that what it stands for? And like, 
the because it's trick. I I looked it up. Sorry. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I looked it up, and the first thing that came up was Affordable Care Act. Oh, so, really? like, I had I would just like do a little bit more sleuthing. So it if you're out there and you're looking, it's ACOA too. If you Google a- ACOA, it'll definitely come up. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah. ACOA fucking saved my life. Um. And you know what's so funny? I was talking about this on a, on a dating podcast the other day because they were like. How have you improved your relationships? And I was like, I've improved my relationship with myself so that I can have healthy relationships with others. And I brought in like an ACA workbook and they said they called it my sad little workbook. And <laughs> it was so mean. It was so mean. Um, and also this person like should go to the, should go to ACA. Like this person could greatly benefit from this. Uh, and they were so dismissive of it. And I'm like, yeah, because you need it. And you know you need it. Is it necessarily for... Because I think it's not necessarily for children of alcoholics. No, no. It's for dysfunctional families, yes. codependents, yes. narcissistic, whatever. Yeah, so so ACA, my therapist had told me about ACA. Adult children of alcoholics. But again, not... There's so many ways for people to be like para-alcoholics. Super religious people. People who are chronically sick households with gambling addiction Mm -hmm. there's so many ways for parents to be uh dysfunctional um controlling people narcs all this stuff uh borderlines codependence Mm -hmm. it's what's the ratio usually in the rooms of people who like come from alcoholic families versus uh i had a narcissistic mom or whatever it's actually pretty varied Mm. Uh, I would say it's pretty evenly spread across a whole bunch of different mm. things. Sex addicts, you know, um, addictions at the core of a lot of them. Because addiction is a disease, but addiction is also the way people deal with mental illness. Because there's no... It's a secondary Yeah, disease. yeah. It's, it's never the only thing. Yeah, of course. The co- comorbidities, yeah. as we call it. Um, so if addiction is present, it's a good chance other things are present. But... Um, Basically, ACA is like a 12-step program for you to sort of rebuild back your self-esteem and to acknowledge just the dysfunction and how it shaped you as a person and how it shapes your decision-making processes. And just like the way that narcissism, like I said, it is like it's, it spreads itself everywhere. Mm-hmm. It shapes whatever the dysfunction is spreads itself everywhere within you, within everything that you do. I, one of my, so it's basically 12 steps. So a lot of it is sharing. A lot of it is like reading the workbook. Um, you know, there's like a laundry list, which you read initially. That's like, if you identify with any of these statements, Mm -hmm. like, I think it's like three or more, like you're an adult child. And like, I think mine was like 12, the whole list, you know, (laughs) another humbling moment of like, Oh, here I am checking off every mentally ill box um uh but one of them uh like there was um you become you confuse love and pity and you tend to love people who you uh pity or want to like help that was one of them Mm -hmm. uh like you become hyper vigilant and uh like um there was another one that was like you constantly are trying to help other people's as an people as an effort to distract from your own problems. Uh, you're afraid of criticism. Um, yeah, there is all these interesting ways in which like, is there anything with like competitiveness and like a being uh, like, like a perfectionism? Yes. Perfectionism's in there. I mean, hypervigilance, I think like is sort of also like 
being in control and mm-hmm. you're successful and everything's in its right place and everything's clean and you're you know a girl boss like you know yeah. that's that's a, a way that people can feel um in control and i think the major takeaway from ACA is all these things are a way to try our coping mechanisms that you develop to try to not feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who are dysfunctional cannot love you properly and not being able to be loved properly is abandonment. Um, so all of this is a way to try to mitigate or run away from abandonment feelings. Um, and one of them was interesting. This, I think it works really well in the narc system is that so like when you have a friend who like constantly is in relationship with abusive people and they can't seem to leave them or they're making excuses for their partner or whatever um something that someone said in a meeting was like so when you're a kid you your parents are your source of comfort care your survival you know they very much they feed you they clothe you whatever Um, So if they're profoundly damaged or unable to love you, that's like not something a child's brain can understand. I don't think adult brain can really like that's so fucking sad and terrifying. Yeah. Um, It's hard for me to like. You can't compute that. No, I I can barely compute it now. And I'm like in my 30s. Um, So as a kid, you'll create this little way of like, no, they're not all fucked up. Like I can just help them and like you know, mommy's not drunk. She needs like water or, or if I do good, then like, they'll be proud of me. And like, so you kind of create this little like de fuck up machine where you make fucked up people seem like they're okay mm-hmm. because they have to be okay. If they're not okay, you're not safe. And like, if you're not safe as a kid, it's terrifying. Yeah. So like you develop this way to just sort of like warp, dysfunctional situations into love because that's what you know love as Mm -hmm. so then you go out into the world and you continue to meet dysfunctional people and you continue to be like no they love me you know and and maybe in their dysfunctional way that's the way that they show love and the way that you know love but that's not what real unconditional healthy love is so like you are just this product of this environment and you've sort of mutated so many times to try to like get away from this original pain um so a lot of aca is like talking about your interactions with these people you know talking about your feelings about your relationships um and then there's another great thing is like hearing there's so many people in aca that have the same problems as you and then again it becomes very like oh this is just a thing that happens this mm-hmm. isn't my unique story this is that person's parents dysfunctional and they're like that just like my parents are dysfunctional and now i'm like this yeah. like this i actually this is so bizarre but i loved this so i accidentally went to an aca meeting that was all orthodox jewish women Whoa. um which is crazy they they go to 12 step which is like insane you would never think that right. um but they do um, and it was like deep in Brooklyn, um, Hasidic women. So, um, and I went in and I was like, oh, am I like in the wrong? <laughs> like, 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 oh, oops, sorry, sorry, ladies. Right. And they were like, no, come in. Like, they're incredibly welcoming. And so I did like one meeting and they, although we live radically different lives, mm-hmm. um, their problems were like eerily similar to mine of, of like, 
oh, my husband won't do X and Y and like I really want him to yeah. and he won't show up for me and blah, 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 blah. And then, and also the complete anonymity of like going to a room filled with Orthodox Jewish women was like, oh, I can really fucking let it rip in here. Right. This isn't like cool hipsters in Williamsburg. I'm not going to run right. into another comedian. Right. This Does is that like, happen, by the way? You run into yes, other comedians? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, probably. And I, that's hard. Like, these are really hard things to admit. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad never loved. Like, I don't want to yeah. do that in front of like a New York Times editor or whatever. Like, right. There's also other people in the entertain. <clears throat> I mean, it's filled with people in the entertainment business. Right. Obviously, um, you don't seek attention for a living because you're a nurtured person. <laughs> um, but um, but so them being so anonymous and then their world paralleling my world so much yeah. was like, oh, this is like, this is so safe. This is a thing that happens. I've, I've heard Everywhere. in these rooms. Yeah. Is, it transcends religion, culture, politics, Everything. all of that. It's there's deep human problems yeah. that, that you know are being solved here. Human problems are so unanimous. Mm-hmm. Um and also like within their worlds, like a lot of them were getting divorces. Like I'd be like, go off, Sarah. Like I became friends right. with them. And I'm like, in their world, that's fucking radical them getting a divorce in a world where like they have to like ask the rabbi for it or whatever like that's more gangster than some of the shit that i'm doing you know in the context of their world so i became i grew to like admire them and have like very loving relationships with them um and they totally welcomed me in i was like their little you know secular friend right um and it was all women which was just very like warm a lot one of the things about 12 step is like Sometimes people hit on you and that's just like a nightmare. Um, So I got this like little secret, you know, wreck like place to just completely disappear to. And I was able to just let it fucking rip. And we did a lot of reading. We did workbooks. Um, What I like about 12 step is it's like you're trying to not be reactive to everything. You're trying to be active in your life. Mm -hmm. You're trying to like admit what's going on and get to the root of it and learn tools and behaviors to change your way of living, you know? So that doesn't happen overnight, but like it's very, very hands-on. And I think people have to be desperate a lot of the time till they get to that point where they're like, I'm going to read a workbook every week and follow these rules yeah. and apologize to people that I've wrong. Like it's deeply humbling, but like, I mean, they call it the gift of desperation, you know? Yeah until you're so fucked up people don't want to change their patterns so you've also been in rooms for um sex and love addiction mm-hmm. yeah, um sucked. no i mean <laughs> look so full disclosure i have to uh-huh. um and i didn't really stick around long because just the experience i had with it was a little yeah. strange i went to the men's only Ooh, rooms a lot of rapists in and, there i'm sure yeah probably but there was also just this weird it felt very repressive it felt like everybody in there was uh like they were literally like just talking about like uh, like not jerking off ever and stuff like that and i was like this isn't the way this is this can't be it so i left it but like i'm curious what your experience was because it sounds like it was a lot different because you you know you're a very sexual person you got a podcast Mm -hmm. about uh kinky sexual stuff Mm -hmm. um and you know but like 
at the other at the other end of that, you know, you are acknowledging that there is a intimacy dodging. Intimacy dodging. Oh yeah, big yeah. time. Uh, I mean, SLAA is one of the saddest twelve-step programs in terms of like AA. People have like fun stories mm-hmm. sometimes, like. NA, it's like all the wild cowboy. SLAA is just like people who can't stop ruining their lives and people who can't stop being deeply lonely and trying to deal with it through sex. And I'm not being condescending to it or shitty to where I was in there. Um, But I think I started going to SLAA because... um, so when I stopped drinking, I used to do the whole like only like uh, initially I was like, well, I'm, maybe I'd see if I can do like four beers or whatever a mm-hmm. night or like or like only bring $20 so I can't like fucking be up till 5 a.m. You know, spending all my money. I tried to do all these. It's things. not like people will buy you alcohol. Or... <laughs> right. Never. Yeah. yeah. All these little tricks that mm-hmm. I had uh, were, you know, just trying to deal with the surface issue, not the deeper issue. Um, so I used to try to do this with sex where I was like, you know, don't like you can only like have sex like a few times a month. You know what I mean? Like I was trying to like yeah. not. And here's the thing. And I think this is really hard. You were trying to control quantity. Yes. And not not quality. Yeah. 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 And I was trying. I was not acknowledging that I was dealing with I was using sex for uh, like dopamine. And yeah. I was using sex like drugs. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And, and it's like, Been there. it's hard, it's hard to, okay, so in our like sex positive Brooklyn fucking yes. place that we're at, um, I love sex positivity and I think shame around sex is awful and it actually leads to a lot of like really bad, you know, again, rape, yeah. sexual assault, all these things. Yes. So I'm 100% about shame-free relationship with sex um, and people can be as slutty as they want. I'm down for it. I don't think there's any God telling us not to do it. I want to live a life where I can have orgies and fucking party and whatever. I think it's great. But I think that there's this like unacknowledgement that people can use sex to harm themselves mm-hmm. and people can be promiscuous because they have low self-esteem. Um, and it's not always like a yes queen, you're a slut and we love it for you type yeah. thing. There's it's complicated. So I was, definitely using sex to feel validated um to feel like temporarily loved or like you know like worthwhile Mm -hmm. um and i was never asking for anything from my sexual partners because i didn't think i deserved it so i would be in these relationships where i was just sort of like the negative space around another person um And so I would feel pretty empty all the time. Um, And I think I, I, and also I have bipolar disorder, so I didn't know that then, but like risky sexual behavior is, is one of the hallmark, you know, um, traits. And it's cause my, it's cause my brain chemistry is not balanced. So I'm like, oh, let's go do something dangerous. Yeah. Cause it's exciting. You're low on dopamine. And yeah. this will give you dopamine. Let's get in someone's car that yeah. you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, thrilling. It's, it's very thrilling. And there's, thrill is good. Like, this is the thing. It's like, I don't want to be negative about, about being like, having like calculated risk or having kink or doing, like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that in a vacuum. But I just, what I just left all sexual encounters feeling lonely often. Yeah. 
um, and feeling I would get pull myself in situations and this is not victim blaming of just like of just like being with people who uh, were not nice to me and them always leaving and then me feeling abandoned yeah. again. Like I think there's I was abandoning myself a lot where I was like. I'm picking this person who I know deep down it's not going to work out for two reasons. Number one, so I don't have to ask for them to love me. Right. Like they're already, I know they're fucked up and they don't like me. So then I don't have to like worry about it really ever being anything. And then also, cause I don't really think I deserve anything. So like, let me just enter, enter into this empty thing, you know, and, um, predictably have it end the same way every single time uh Mm -hmm. safer that's safer for me than like asking someone to like me that's crazy if you don't like yourself being like hi love me it's crazy it's like a crazy thing in your brain um so i went to sla i don't even know where i why i started doing that um how'd you hear about it um, cause I'd been in 12 step pro in and out of 12, even my therapist might have, this is so one funny thing about the therapist is they already know what's going to happen in a lot of ways yeah. because you're so textbook. <laughs> um, and what did she say to me? She was like, yeah, you're, you know, things are like whack-a-mole for you. So mm-hmm. like you'll move from one addiction to another. It doesn't even really matter what the addiction is. Right. Like, so you tell her you're in SLA and she's like, oh, you're there now. Cool. Right. Oh, she so like pulls out another patch. We're like, at cool. this whack-a-mole. You right. hit this mole. The other one comes down. You hit this mole. The other one comes up, blah, blah, blah. Um, another one that I get into is workaholism. You know, mm-hmm. um, I try to just like kind of manage addiction. Addiction doesn't go away. There's no, you're never cured one day, but like you can actively manage it and, you know, uh, try to like I also try to just transfer it I'm like alright I'm gonna transfer it to like exercise and working sure. and like and some people transfer it to 12 step which is so funny some people yeah, get fucking weird about 12 step Yeah, that's another thing that sucks about 12 step especially like ACA all these things like these could be life changing for so many people I think so many people could benefit from this you know even like i mentioned on a, a podcast to my friend who i think could greatly benefit and i want her to feel better and she goes like oh you're sad work but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it has this stank on it because people are afraid of the god stuff which i'm not religious yeah it's not at all pushed on you and also like some 12 step people are really kind of a weird nightmare and i'm yes. i'm not going to say that that's not do you have to do true. the weird hand holding chant thing at the end of the meeting uh do the serenity prayer um yeah in aca you do you do but i i i like to i like to sing (laughs) whatever me and my jews just fucking rocking out right um but yeah i some people don't like to be touched some people are you know i also don't i don't like physical affection and i don't like right away um once i'm comfortable with someone i love it but like I also don't like people being like, I love you. I'm like, you don't know me. Right. We're not all together under this light of whatever. Right, right. Get the fuck out of here. Like, there's something very like, lick yeah. to me about that. Um, and I'm trying to be less that way. But um, there's definitely some stank on 12 step. And it, it's a shame because I, if it would just had some rebranding, you know, I think people could, mm-hmm. it could help so many people in such a radical way but um slaa um 
yeah, I saw a lot of really lonely people there. And I was like, oh God, I've never like had an intimate relationship. Like I was like looking at all these people who were telling like the same stories that Mm -hmm. I had and these people that like can't have functional relationships. And I was like, Oh look, it's me. You know what I mean? And so that was like, I was that I was at a point then when I was like, I do want to have, even admitting I wanted to have a relationship with another person felt like very exposing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink the like sad coffee and sit across from a guy who got molested every week. Like, and that's not me being condescending to the right. guy that got molested. It's yeah, just of like, yeah, they're in that there. guy doesn't want to be there either. Uh, that guy wants to be able to like feel love and connection. Are so. you still going? No, no, I don't, I don't go to SLA anymore. Um, I think I also don't know how people have find the fucking time. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. It becomes We're a, working all the time and yeah. you're doing like comedy at night. And then you got to go to fucking meetings. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go down to like the financial district to go to some sure, you gotta go fucking some, meeting. You have to go to a church somewhere. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to find good meetings. You have to like really. I mean, one of the things that my bonkers ass dad said to me that actually is very true. It's funny when you have like, you know, emotionally sick people. They can also be smart people and they can mm-hmm. also be right about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, but he was like. A lot of those like really great things in life are a huge amount of work like and very worthwhile, but they're going to be super difficult. Um, And recovery was super difficult and is super difficult. But so, you know, yeah, taking a train an hour and a half into deep Orthodox Jewish New York, uh, you know, to sit next to a lady and fucking reparent myself and write out what a good parent should be and, you know, uh, map out my decision-making process. Like, this is work. It's yeah. it's a huge investment of time, but I think the most worthy investment of time imaginable. How did you manage to kind of, um, you know, decouple the, the sort of pathologizing of, of like certain, I don't know, sexual behaviors with... Uh, you know, just with just being, uh, you know, a, a nice, person. liberated, horny person. Um, like when you're like having, you know, uh, when you're when you're uh, having sex or or doing a, a you know a thirst trap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love a thirst. Is trap. there? Oh, I love a thirst trap too. Uh-huh. But like, is there some part of you that thinks like, oh, is this is this bad? Am I doing a bad? Yeah, I think you innately know, um, mm-hmm. like what, where this is coming from. Um, I think during the pandemic, I was involved with a guy who um, made me feel sad mm-hmm. and insecure all the time. And I remember he came over a few times and he slept over and, um, and he then one night he like made some excuse and didn't sleep over and he left and i remember sitting in my bath big bathist um being like they always leave you know what i mean i had this like really sad feeling of like people always leave and this person just like doesn't really care about me and it's sexual partners don't have to be your life partners that's not true but they do have to 
even a casual sexual partner has to like have a yeah. nurturing, loving feeling towards you. Uh, not be in love with you, but have a loving feeling toward they're fucking you. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm doing the bad thing again where mm-hmm. I'm being with the person who mistreats me and continuing like, I think um, when I can't tell my friends what I'm doing, then I know I'm doing something bad. When uh-huh. someone does makes plans with me and then drops them or says rude things to me or like I have to now when I do sexual things only be involved with people who have good actions and not good words you know like lots of people say all the things and then don't do the thing but Mm -hmm. if people show up for you then I then I'm like okay this is a good person to be involved with and so then I this is feeding something healthy and not feeding something sad um so I think you know not doing doing things from a place of like uh I'm doing this because I want to do this and that seems like simplistic yeah. but like I I think I used to do things cuz I thought I should or so that someone would stick around or that like this person's attractive and they think I'm attractive so like you know this this is going to make me feel yeah like good it's that I can like it's hard because get in our person. in our society like even going for the things that are just that you just want to do and make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always this underlying question of I don't know, this puritanical thing mm-hmm. of like, is this bad? You know, like sure. is this a, you know yeah. like is it okay for me to to take nudes and send nudes to somebody yeah, who's, yeah. you know who's, who's agreeing to see them? Yeah, and you know, is it okay for me to like count all the likes or whatever? Yeah, yeah, and, and sure. really be into that. Like, is this is this bad? Um, but there, I mean. It's on paper no like there isn't but like it's it's really hard i think to decouple yourself from yeah. that it's bad uh, if it makes that, you feel bad yeah you know yeah if it feels really good quickly and then really bad afterwards it's probably bad mm. you know mm-hmm. that's that's like but but i also i also have done bad things within recovery and been like oh no i did the bad thing again and yeah. i didn't and then i am like okay don't do that like this relationship with this person who made me feel sad it, it it went on for a few months and then eventually I cut it off. And yeah, during that time I was not in a healthy situation, but I, the important thing was that I got out of it. So like, I think the important, like to just expect yourself to not always feed a bad thing is like unrealistic, but sure. I think like trying to actively not and to more so feed a good thing is like, that's the best you can sort of do. It's hard. It's very hard to uncouple. I also think like, when I was in the SLA rooms, I looked at like, there's a lot of men and you went to like the men's only and like men are told that like sexual affirmation and like being found attractive by women mm-hmm. is like pretty much your only value. It, yeah. you, know, you know, it's up there. It's, it's in the top three usually. Um, and yeah, I'd say money, physical strength and sexual yeah, prowess. That's what makes you a yeah. man um, and a successful man and whatever. Um, and so it's like, so that's also how you're supposed to deal with your emotions as a man is like anger and sex usually are the two ways that it's like, well, I feel in my experience. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to be reductive. I, there are so many wonderful men in the world that are not this way, but for them, I, I would say a lot of the overwhelming majority are this way. So it's like this, this can't be your only way to feel better. 
Like mm-hmm. it, there's no, it just can't be. But some so many men are just not taught to have other tools to process their emotions. And this is how sex becomes a problem for them. Yeah. I you think know? the problem that I had was it's all that was going I had going yeah, on. For sure. Yeah. You know, like all that I had was swiping on Tinder yeah. and like getting me like, come on, give me the fucking give me yeah, the yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I got a mutual yes, boom. Yeah. Like that's all I had. Like I wasn't getting it anywhere yeah. else. Um and so yeah, that's when it becomes kind of I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with um you know feeling like you're attractive validation and objectification if that's what you're into and like that kind of stuff like i think that can be fine Mm -hmm. but if it is the only thing that is like keeping you like getting up and brushing your teeth in the morning then 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 it's probably not so good so a lot of men don't have friends yeah yeah yes yeah yes during that time especially i wasn't like i would it sounds crazy to say, but I was like, I don't know. I was I was a Tinder fuck boy. Mm-hmm. I was I was getting around town. I was mm-hmm. gunslinging, but I wasn't fucking telling anybody about mm-hmm. it. And then, like at the end of the day, I was just like, well, what's the point of sleeping with all these mm-hmm. women if I don't I even get a like high five my boys for it? Like, yeah. what's like nobody even knows. Yeah, nobody even saw this person coming in and out of my life. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, they're just a redacted like a. Empty, it's empty. Empty. It's nothing. Yeah. And and so like it's like it never happened. Yeah. I and know. and it was like that on one level, but it was also just like yeah, I don't have any like there's no camaraderie. No. There's no nothing. I'm not I'm not getting any like I I don't have any close male friends. No. I don't have like and it was just such a that was a really fucking sad time. Yeah, like, it's when you go to SLAA, that is probably going to be about the darkest chapter of oh, your life. Like yeah. that is a that is a dark winter of discontent. <laughs> Dude, just going in there and like just looking at everyone else looking as sad as you and you're yeah. like, fuck, I belong here. Fuck. It's a, it's a bad place. Yeah, it's a bad place. Um but a necessary I'm glad it place. exists. Yeah. yeah I'm glad it's, it's a you know, it's 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 a good organization, I think, and it and it does good things for people. I didn't get so much out of it, but I was like I see why this exists. It's almost like a scared gonna, straight to be yeah, like, oh no, I'm, I'm like, here. I was like, yeah, I was just like, I need to, yeah, I think so. I was just yeah. like, I need to get my shit together in other ways. I need to see a therapist. I need to do this and that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think like also men not having any friends, this, <clears throat> so many women know this is like, when you have one night stands or like casual relationships mm-hmm. with a lot of men, a lot of the men you'll have sex and then afterwards they will fucking tell you all of their secrets and then they will break down. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of like post casual sex emotional labor I've done is yep. crazy. Yep. But it's because it's like this guy has no friends. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a female, so I'm like yeah, nurturing like, seeming like to them. Texting, like if I was stressed at work, I'd be like texting one of my slam pieces. Yes. About- about you, you know, have like, no friends. I was, yeah, it was just like I don't. Sh- I should not be telling her this. Like, but I, I have know. no one to yeah, tell this to. Else. I'm a very lonely guy. This is very sad, huh? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Let's keep doing it again and see if it works a different way. Yeah, oh, it didn't. Next time. Yeah. It's also like male friendship is hard just because oh, like I'm masculinity sure. is yeah, weird yeah, yeah. and like homophobia, homophobia, yeah. and like misogyny and like weird attitudes mm-hmm. about like that kind of. It's really hard to like. It sucks. Vet a. Yeah. Like who's going to be like a chill bro, mm-hmm. but also enough of a bro. Yeah. You know, that you can actually like talk and like be guys yeah. together. Yeah. It's a very delicate balance to try and be like 
a uh uh you know i don't know to be like in, casual it, and yeah, also be, intimate yeah to be casual and also intimate but also be like there's there's a lot of like uh throwing the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to masculinity i think mm-hmm. there are good aspects of oh, masculinity yeah. and you know I, I understand why people like say the phrase like all men are trash like mm-hmm. stuff like that because it's just like yeah by and large most are pretty shitty yeah. behavior and it's just been so uh allowed yeah. for so long it's yeah. just been part of like the hegemony mm-hmm. right but um there are good parts of like oh yeah of of male camaraderie and male friendship like working with guys together and, yeah you know like Men all that problem stuff solvers by yeah, nature i love problem solvers. yeah Dude, it's my favorite. you ever see, you ever like go to a party or something and like the grill gets lit up or like it's it's not lighting oh, and all the, the men gather around they have their hands on oh, their hips they're all trying out. to figure out what's wrong with the with the propane tank or whatever Incredible. they're all like it's like it's instinctual it's beautiful it's fun i mean that's i just i mean my, my boyfriend's an engineer so he's like mr problem mm-hmm. solver so i will just be like oh i I don't know how that works. like I'll trail off and be like he's gonna fix it in like 10 minutes and he does and so like masculinity I, I think I'm a pretty like masculine person in a lot of mm-hmm. ways like I'm like a leader I take charge of situations um, I nurture other people I protect other people mm-hmm. that's a great like as a standalone trait that's a wonderful thing and necessary thing in our society. We do need people that have maybe more masculine energy. We also need people of feminine energy. Like yeah. it's not so much gendered, but, te- but you know, but in within the sexes, men tend to more, I don't know if it's nature or nurture or whatever it may be. So yeah, like fucking good men are incredible. That's why like, I have a good male friend and I'm like, oh, please be good. Please don't be a piece of shit. Oh my God, please. Because it's rare. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I hear a story about that. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And like what it, it can get worse than that when you, <sighs> this is hard to navigate. When you have a close male friend and then you do discover that they've done something bad and you have to navigate like okay like are they acknowledging that are they taking accountability are they sorry that they did that are they changing their behavior have they gotten their shit together or is this something that like i'm going to have to like distance myself from them like it's it's really it sucks and it's a you know as a conflict avoidant person it's a very it's a tough thing to even like oh i need to sit down with my friend and talk to him about like i heard this story about like you did this or that fuck me man but like you should do that i know yeah i do have to do it because they'll listen to you not even in like a like i don't want to deal with men anymore which is uh, i don't fair but also just in terms of like effectiveness yeah men who are misogynist think women are lesser than them so if a woman who they view as lesser than them is like you're bad all they're gonna hear is you know what i mean they're not gonna listen to it whereas a man who they respect and view as their equal yeah and you're like that's not cool bro yeah 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 then then my bro says that's not cool you have a better shot um i want restorative things for men it's Mm -hmm. better it's better for the world if that like that is ideal um it's just like i can't interact with the toxicity because i'm exhausted but but I, I actually have a male, a close male friend right now who uh, was like texting a female comic in a way that was disrespectful and not yeah. boundaried. And I'm like, 
fuck i thought uh, fuck i thought that you would never be capable and it's not like sexual assault type thing but it's it's complete tone deafness yeah and i'm like now i have to talk to you about this and i don't want to yeah um but i have to because i can't co-sign you that's another thing about men is by being around them especially as a female who's in an all mostly male um industry i guess you could say community Mm -hmm. comedy entertainment um mostly male um women other women feel safe if i'm with a man because they know that i probably fuck with him because i know he's a good guy or whatever so now i can't fuck with you if i know that you're not a good guy because other women are gonna choose to be alone with you or interact with there you. is a thing like uh, not really being a comic myself but like kind of being adjacent to that world mm-hmm. talking to a lot of comics like i notice like who who female comics hang out with and sure. who they don't and mm-hmm. who just like sits in like the you know like the like the kind of yeah. cigar chomping oh, table yeah. of bros yeah. all the time and like they're always just on each other's podcasts yeah you know and you're just like it, there's there's some tells for sure where of you're course. like yeah okay i don't know if you're fully uh yeah yeah i call them the skanks like <laughs> you know huh. legion of skanks yeah um and like I've had friends who've been on Legion of Skanks. It's not so black and white. It's just yeah, but that's but not, like, like they're huge. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like it's unavoidable that there, there's going to yeah. be some overlap. So you also can't just completely write someone no, off no, because you can't. they went on a show or some shit. Like, but I'm looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, but even the good, even though good guys can be wolves in sheep's clothing, which I think is worse. Um, yeah. So I, I am very much in a position where it's like. I don't fuck with you until I fully know that I can. And even then I'm mostly looking at Mm. you very warily. And that is a bummer, but I don't want to be bothered. I'm very tired. Fair enough. Yeah. We should wrap up soon, but uh, this was, this was lovely. Let's plug your podcasts and where people can find you and all of that. Uh, Come, come over to Instagram, Andrea Mm -hmm. comedy 69. I'm over there. Fucking thirst trapping. Uh, and posting memes and posting clips. Um, uh, so that's a, the great way to access me. Everything's there. But I have two podcasts. Um, one of them, as mentioned, Dog Pig, my sex and dating and feelings podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the Hot Mess Comedy Hour, which is an interview podcast. Um, and the theme is Why Are You a Hot Mess? So, you know, it definitely fits in your world, I'm sure, of people who... Yes, who, it uh, is. It's, it's within the genre. Yeah, I for would sure. Say. Uh, so yeah, look, check me out there, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Work. Nice. Okay, we're gonna cut the recording there. Cut it. Thank you once again to Andrea Allen for being on the show. I was really looking forward to having her on the show. Is there was a little bit, you know, there's some back and forth for a couple of weeks. Uh, can you do it then? Can you do it then? And you know, like it is scheduling stuff. So. I'm glad we finally got it together. So I had I had time to prepare. I had time to anticipate, build up anticipation. You know, great. And uh, now we find now it's finally here, the Andrea Allen episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, Patreon.com/selfworst. Help me out. Radical Pearson Instagram and Twitter. Selfworst on Instagram. Blah blah blah. You know the drill. Okay. I'm going to go. Um, I'm gonna go. I had a long ass day, man. I had to bike up from fucking Red Hook all the way up to the park twice. 
I don't want to talk about it. It was a long day. I'm going to go chill out now. Hope you find time to chill and rest and relax. I love you. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, don't kill yourself. We'll all be dead soon enough.